I went to that bastion of of truthful knowledge and what? and all honest people and all honesty yes. and honest advertising yes um, Facebook marketplace marketplace and I found what <laughs> I hope y'all laughed just then because <laughs> this is about how it's about to go. I've Hey y'all, put on your boots, grab your headphones, and let's get a little muddy. As we build a community rooted in the love of dirt roads, whether dust or mud. Welcome to the Dust or Mud Podcast. Well, hey y'all, welcome back. Episode number eight. The eighth episode, Dust or Mud Podcast. We are um, enjoying this and are happy to come back at you with another one. Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to kind of dive into a little bit about our, actually a lot about our sheep, our sheep enterprise, um, how it started, where it's kind of gone for the last two years and where we're headed, where we believe that we're headed. So we're going to dive into that. Uh, we got some farm updates that we're going to share with you, as well as jumping into a little bit of a current event or a big current event that very well could um, impact the our national defense at large. Yeah, we're going to look a little bit at what's hitting the headlines recently. Uh, actually, over the past few months, it's been sort of trickling out, but recently um, about our military recruiting crisis mm. and really one of our focuses on the the podcast is freedom, and I think that that really can have an impact on our freedom as a nation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, first, let's get into a, a bit of a farm update. Okay. Here what we go. What do you got? Well, I, I think all of the animals that move moved this week. They did. <laughs> yeah. The humans did a lot of moving. Yeah. <laughs> walking, walking, walking. Yeah. So we, we started the week with with you taking a bit of a trip to visit your parents. I did. I went to North Carolina for the week. Yeah. Last week. But yeah. I guess it really was. Yeah, pr- pretty much. So we had a lot to catch up on when we got back. Yeah, so I was I was able to sort of hold things down. Yes, you did. You did a fantastic job. <laughs> a bit. Turns out I'm not really needed around yeah, here. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> but I, I really, I wasn't able to keep everybody moving as often as we would like to do. So um, mm. as as you got back, it, it was like, okay. ready to Get on new not ground. Just, not just one one group needed to move, but everybody needed everybody, to move. Yeah. I think the biggest of the moves was really the the hogs. We made them a new paddock, and included with that was building a a pen so that we can load them. Uh, they they get loaded this weekend. Five half of five them. Five of them. Yeah, five of the ten get loaded this weekend for their trip to the processor on Monday. Mm-hmm. So we need um, we. We did not have a, a loading pin built yet, so we did that uh, out of T-post and hog panel. So that was probably the most extensive of the moves. The sheep and beef cows moved, the dairy cows got, got moved with the rams, and the uh, our new sheep group got a bigger paddock. So like just the lambs moved, the chickens got their area taken care of. Like it, it was just a lot of... A lot, a lot of, of moving. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you have, when you try to keep things really mobile on a farm, we are almost completely mobile. Everybody gets to move onto fresh ground occasionally, you know, at whatever time frame yeah, they, need it, they need it, yeah. that they need. So we try to keep everybody moving on fresh ground. And 
um, clean that way and healthier that way and it impacts the ground we'll talk about later. But um, when you do that, every now and then it just kind of bottlenecks and everybody has to go at the same time. So and that happened this week. <laughs> it sure did. And yes. we're still continuing the, the pasture management type things. Um, we've uh, talked about a little bit. We have some broom sedge on the on the farm, and we like to try to mow it before it goes to seed. So um, the the rotational grazing and the um, unrolling hay and and different things are helping to reduce the amount of broom sedge that we have. But also, we're trying to keep it clipped so that it doesn't go to seed on an annual basis. So that's that's really driving the the our push to um, keep keep the seed heads uh, yeah it, off. and it tends to go to seed around the late August mid to late August right now yeah and into September time frame so if we can get it clipped before it goes to seed well obviously that's a good thing yeah we have a couple of pastures left and I just started seeing some of the seeds so yeah we may be a little late on on a couple of pastures but for the most part we've we've done better this year than we've done in the past yeah. on on catching it before the seed. But just like everything else, um, how it bottlenecks like that, uh, we have no diesel. <laughs> well. <laughs> so the diesel cans are empty. The truck is nearly empty. And, and the tractor's diesel, nearly empty. The tractor's nearly empty. <laughs> and so everything needs diesel. Well, so, at least the diesel prices have gone up. I know. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> we're almost to $5 great. a gallon. That's helpful. Yeah. We can be out there with our scissors. <laughs> <laughs> That's You're right. retired. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you well, said you didn't want to be bored. We've got time. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, y'all. Anyway. I, I was listening to a podcast this week, and mm -hmm. one of the one of the phrases that it was talking about a, a gentleman that used to work uh, in one of uh, Elon Musk's corporations, and he got burned out, and he quit. Uh, he went and worked somewhere else. He worked there for a couple of weeks. And then um, called and asked to get his old job back. And he, they, when asked why, he said, it turns out I'd rather be burned out than bored. Oh, that's and, so us. And that really hit home with me. I'm like, oh, man, that's uh, us. Yeah, I, that's us. I think that may be like our little motto. I'd rather be, rather burned, be burned out, out than, than bored. bored. <laughs> we used to say work hard, play hard. Yeah. No, it's just. Rather be burned out than bored. Be burned out than bored. Yeah, you're going to retire and do what? Not be bored. Not be bored. Yes. Yeah. Well, get yourself at all costs. Uh, you know, 150 <laughs> animals, and you won't be bored. <laughs> yeah, we've got yeah. at least that. Yeah, at least. Anyway, um, so that's kind of it for the farm update. Everybody moved. Um, we're in a. We should be coming over into a slower time as winter gets here. But in order to get to the slower time for winter, we've got to get through this last push of late summer, early fall and get the rest of the chickens grown out, get the new chickens going so that we can raise them for next spring, get things processed, more things processed. It's got a, it's going to be a, lot, a real sprint here towards the end as we get to, you know, closer to fall slash winter, and then we can kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah, it hit me yesterday, I guess it was, that um, as of today, we're getting another round of beef chicks. So as of today we will have six different groups of poultry. Yeah. Um, next week we get our layer chicks. So one week from today, yeah. we'll have seven group, different groups of poultry going. Yeah. We've currently got four different sheep groups going. We've got two different um, pig groups going. We have two different uh, 
cow groups going. It's too. It's a lot right this it's, minute. Yeah, we've got to have to consolidate soon. But first, we've got to get things grown into into freezers. Yeah. So it, when that happens, everything will calm down. It's a lot right now. But to, between now and then, we just have to keep at it, <laughs> humping <laughs> it always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Speaking of pasture management and the techniques that we use in order to, you know, increase the the quality of the pastures and productivity of them, one of the things that we use are our sheep. And that's kind of where we started with our sheep. So let's dive in a little bit to our sheep enterprise as a little bit of a segue into that. Yeah. So pasture management. We've talked about it we before. Began. We did not grow up farming. No. So our our knowledge of sheep was really zero when we started this whole thing. Now, um, growing up, we had had cows and been around them and pigs and been around them and horses, although we don't have them. So like we had been around animals and farm animals um, also, but sheep were never really um, part of our life at all. But the, the folks that we considered as our mentors, although not in-person mentors, as we were getting into this, the Greg Judy, Joel Salatin, Justin Rhodes, like they all talk about sheep and the importance of sheep, um, especially Greg Judy, you know, the guru um, regenerative rancher, um, really talks about the beneficial impacts that you get when you have sheep and cows on your pastures. And so, it was, I, I think, in our mind, when we said we want to do this style of farming, this regenerative style of farming, sheep were just like, automatically a part, going to be a part of it. Yeah, automatic. And we had we've talked about goats. We had talked about goats, and there was so much negative about being able to contain them and, and control, and control over the goats. Them that we were like, well, I don't know that we can deal with that, at least not yet. Right. Um, and so uh, we, we like automatic sheep. Yeah. And the thought process behind the that automatic to get sheep was regenerate the pastures. Mm -hmm. We have we have pastures that with um, poor soil, with bad grass, and we want to take care of that. We want to make it better. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the way to do that in a regenerative fashion is put ruminant animals on it mm -hmm. of some sort. I mean, bison. You know, I mean, like yeah. put something there. Yeah. And um, so that was that was our mentality. I believe when we first started was although we don't know anything about these guys, we think that they are going to be very important for regenerating the pastures, and that was our focus. Okay. Yeah. It sure was. And we got here and we had a lot of vegetation that needed to be eaten. And so we said we either have to start mowing and we didn't have a tractor at the time. We got one soon, but we either, that seemed like a waste to us. Yeah. We either start mowing or we get something that can eat this. And what can we get? Well, right now we can get sheep. And before we go any further, the the kinds of sheep that we got not uh, these are not the curly woolly sheep and it there are multiple different obviously breeds of sheep but there are two primary kinds one are woolly they do not shed their wool you have to shear them the other types of sheep are hair sheep 
they still have wool, but it's more, it's straight. It's uh, more like hair, but they shed it. And so every spring, summer, they shed their hair. So we are not out there shearing sheep in case, just for those who don't know the differences in, in sheep kinds. That's correct. And hair sheep are raised primarily for their meat. Their meat sheep. Exactly. So when you eat lamb, you are typically eating an animal that is around eight months to 12 months years old, you're 12 months old, and they're a meat sheep. They're a hair sheep. Yeah. Um, so that's what we decided we wanted to raise because not only can we get the benefit of them on the pastures, but maybe we could also grow some lamb. We like lamb. Other people we know like lamb, although a small market in our mind, we maybe we could go ahead and raise some and have, have the meat as well. Yep. So it was going to be a twofold benefit. That's right. So we, when we got here, pastures were just overgrown, overgrown, like crazy amounts of vegetation. And so there was a, a sense of urgency on our part for getting started. Mm -hmm. Like, let's get going, regenerating these pastures. We can see that the quality is low. And the vegetation, though, is high. Let's get things on there to start eating and peeing and pooping and trampling and doing all of the things that we've heard and, and read about and learned about. And we're about. eager, very eager to get going with, very yeah. eager to. We're, we're looking at bad pastures and we're eager to get them get them changing. That's right. So They're not going to change um, by themselves. We knew that we didn't really want to do the market thing. Yeah. Um, not not really into it, not saying that there, there's a place for it, and I understand it, yep. and I don't really, I mean, like, not, not looking to debate the, the market. No. But we didn't want to go there to get our animals. What we wanted was a to be able to, to know the, the flock, to know where it came from, know um, what what kind of animals they were, what are their uh, pluses and minuses. Like, we really wanted to know about the Well, we animals. wanted some history behind the animals yeah. so that we knew. Because when you do go to a market, you often you don't know where they've come from, what's the situation been. And we just wanted it to have a, have, we wanted a little bit more information. Right. So I went to that bastion of, of truthful knowledge and... <laughs> and all honest people. And all honesty. Yes. And honest advertising. Yes. Um, Facebook. Marketplace. Marketplace. And I found what... <laughs> I hope y'all laughed just then because <laughs> this is about how it's about to go. I found what <laughs> just appeared to be too good to be true. It yes. was exactly what we were looking for. It was a group of sheep that were closed flock, uh, pasture only, parasite resistant, no foot problems, no problems shedding. Like it was all of the things that we had read about and learned about. And this, this is amazing. This flock, you know, the, the person was just getting out of the sheep business. It's almost a flock of unicorns. It was. That's what it was. Well, it turns it's out. Turns out. And, this and exist. to to add, to sweeten the deal, yeah. they would they deliver them for free. Yeah. Well, see, I think Joel Salatin once described the auction. Yeah. And he said, if you're looking around, if you're at the auction, you're looking around for who's the fool, it's probably you. Yeah. Yeah. If you're wondering, it's probably you. And well, guess what? Well, On Facebook, it might be the same way. They, they did deliver them. They did? 
They sure um, enough did. We didn't we didn't get taken by the just send a deposit. No, and, no. And they brought like, sheep. They they brought the sheep. Yeah. They, they were sheep. There were sheep that got off of the trailer. They unloaded them. And um, we, as I already said, didn't know much about sheep. So the sheep got unloaded and we looked at them and said, it's not exactly, exactly what I was expecting. No. There were... All your little spidey senses start going off like, this is, this wasn't the picture of the sheep that I had in mind. They were sheep. They were hair sheep. They were mostly Katahdin yeah. sheep. We could tell that. But the the folks were eager to leave, and so we paid them. You know, we uh, wrote them a check. Yeah. And um, off they went. Off the, yeah. And we were looking, and we were expecting a, a group of adults of about 26, 27 adult ewes. And we got a group of about um, 15, I think, adults and 12 or 13 um, lambs from really, like from that year really small, small. lambs I'm like what and they quite a few of them had what we now know is the sticky from the market um they put little stickers on that them that glob the of glue um and they use a, use glue to glue the stickers on again they didn't quite a few teach of them, us that and no Quite a few of them had that. They all had the metal scrappy tags, which means that they've been through the market. Like things that we know now that we didn't know then. So anyway. Live and learn. Here they go. They showed up. We had a pen ready for them. The calming pen that yep. we talked about last week. It yeah. was it was up and ready for them. And um, they got off of the trailer and started calming. Um, within 30 minutes, one of them was so calm that it died. It died. I looked over and there's one dead, one of the little, one of the little ones, and I'm just like, oh my goodness! Now, now we know some you can get that sheep don't travel well, and we don't know where these guys had come from or how long they'd been on a trailer. Knowing what we know now, Probably I would say they've been the on a trailer at least 24 hours, yeah. based and, on the way their stomachs. Yeah, are. and so with that in mind, we're like, oh no! But it was we're we're done with these people. The deal was. Pretty well done. Now I would we would just say, uh, no, put them back on the trailer. Now we, we did contact them and they answered the phone the first time and we we're like, oh no no, all everything's good. Oh, we'll and come and replace. We'll it. come and replace it. I never saw and them again. Then that was that was the end. Yeah, so they the, didn't answer the phone anymore. So all people in agriculture are not uh, of the utmost honesty. Yeah, so that was our first real lesson in sheep, I think, yeah. is and it can be a, a broader lesson in, to agriculture or farming or in, general, in general or even life. There are people out there that are unscrupulous and they're wanting to steal your money. Absolutely. And, I mean, they did deliver sheep, but it was nothing like yeah. what they advertised. No. There was definitely some false claim advertisement. They were coals. It was just, it was like, it was an entire trailer of coals. They had gone and picked up very, very cheap and flipped them at top dollar, and we lost on that one. So a lot of them have since called themselves, we yeah. don't, you know, and and so after learning that, we said, nope, we've got to go, we've got to go see them, we've got to go get them ourselves, we've got to talk to these people. Obviously, you know, what is it? Something about fool me once. Right, shame on you. <laughs> That's Holy right. Christ, shame on me. That's right. Let's yeah. go do that again. Right. So learn from our mistakes quickly. We're going to go get some other sheep. Then we're going to, we went there, we purchased them. You know, we, we talked to the owners. We got a good, two very good groups and um, they did for the most part really well. Yeah. Um, so now we've got about 
75 ewes and I don't know, 70 acres worth of grass that needs to be eaten. We didn't have any cows at this time, so we were using the sheep. And then let's start, let's start moving them. Yeah. Right. And, and we talked about during the podcast about our relationship, about yes. us learning how to set up the paddocks right. and, and how to do the rotation with the sheep mm-hmm. using electrified nets. And how do you take a 164-foot net and put them together in a 10-acre pasture and, you know, like mo- doing moving the whole thing, around. moving them around. And so one of the one of the main things, because it was so overgrown, was that we had to mow first yeah. the areas where the nets were going to be because uh, we couldn't put our guardian dogs in with the sheep yet. They were just puppies. And so we were using the electrified netting as protection for the sheep because we know there's uh, predators in the area. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't know how how large that predator um, pressure was. Yeah. So we were, trying to keep them protected. We were concerned and, and started rotating them using mm-hmm. nets. Yeah, using nets, moving them every day, giving them a small spaces and high impact. And it worked really well. Yeah. They really did impact it. Our pastures have gotten better because of it. And so that goal was met. Yeah. I, I think back, sorry, to, to close out getting that first batch of sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, within a couple of weeks... I think it was about six or seven of the younger ones ended up dying. And we had taken them to the vet. The vet, uh, like one of them died on the way to the vet. Um, did a necropsy on it. Did a necropsy on it. And it turned out that the entire group of them had pneumonia. They did. They and came so to we us were, sick. Yeah, they were very sick when they came to us. And some of them were unable to recover, and some of them did recover. They did. They stayed so, little for a long time. Yeah. But then they've grown up, and we call them little pygmy, <laughs> pygmy sheep, but little or dwarfs or whatever. We have all sorts of little nicknames for them. But they did grow up. They have grown up quite well yeah. on grass only and produced babies that's and right. have, you know, they, they're really strong. Yeah, that's <laughs> you right. Know? <laughs> the strong <They're> survive. <laughs> yeah, the, the survivors have done really good. Yeah. Um, so go forward a little bit with the sheep, you know, we, okay. We use them to, to pasture. We, now we know we've got some good genetics, some mixed genetics and some not so good genetics. Yeah. So we don't have a barn. All of our sheep are outside. And one of the groups that we bought in the fall, uh, we found out when we picked them up had been with a ram. And so we ended up having some lambs in the wintertime in the dead of winter winter. on pasture. Not Mm -hmm. a great idea. I wouldn't recommend it. A couple of those lambs survived out of the few that were born. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't have a whole lot born, no. but there were some that froze. And we knew that was going to be a consequence, a risk and a consequence yeah. to those to the, our situation and the fact that they had been exposed. Yeah, and we didn't want that necessarily, but we did want the use, yeah. so we went ahead. And with they've it. done, yeah, and then that really well. That first, we 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 bought rams that that uh, late fall yeah. and put the rams in with the ewes in December so that we knew that we wouldn't be lambing until April. So like the, the ewes that we controlled uh, when they were bred were going to be bred in December, January, and then they would be lambing in April, May. Um, Sheep are pregnant for five months. Yeah. So you can time this within about three weeks. If you put them in on December the 1st, roughly, um, you can bank bank on May first. They're no April first. 
they're going to start lambing and you'll lamb for several weeks. So yeah. that all your lambs are born basically at the same time and you got a lamb crop. That's right. So, And we only do that once a year. Yeah, the, so we did that. Um, and then everybody was doing pretty good. We fed them hay through yeah. the winter. Everybody was doing all right. Uh, we lost some during the winter just due to the cold and they were right. old and sick when they yeah, came to us. The coals cold themselves. Yeah, yeah. and so it's it's difficult for old sick um, use. I mean, they were cold already, right? Yeah. So somebody else had said these sheep aren't good but enough. But if I look at the positive side of it, they were here for quite some time and they ate grass and they peed and they pooped and they added, added biology to the soil. And so they did fulfill a mission of, okay. as, they, as they came to the... To the culmination of their life, a sheep only lives about seven, eight, eight nine years. Depending so there were part, a couple of them are really old. Anyway, um, so they they did they did add. Yeah. So right? we had our first lamb crop um, starting right around the first part of April, mm -hmm. and uh, that as was advertised. Yeah, as advertised, that was amazing. Yeah. Lots of little lambs running around. Yes, and. That was that was really cool. Lambs start um, bouncing and running at about two weeks of age, leaping everywhere. And that's that was spring. One of the more enjoyable things we've ever witnessed on the farm yeah. was the the spring lambs once they really get energetic about two weeks of age. Boink, 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 yeah, boink. they parkour off of the moms <laughs> and off of trees and rocks and, and anything. They run like yeah. they get little posses going, man. They yeah. just run. So that, that was cute. that was really cool. They're cute. And then um, as we got further into the summer, the moms started getting uh, drawn down a little bit. Their condition was going down a bit. That um, happens. It, it happens. I, I think it's about a, a half pound a week that they start losing uh, on their condition. And so they start, um, or is it more than that? Anyway, mm -hmm. they start losing condition as they're nursing. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so mom started losing condition. The lambs actually started getting sick that's, mm -hmm. that time. And we had decided that uh, we were going to go all natural, mm -hmm. you know, keep, it, keep them moving every yeah. three to four days means that they can't be, uh, we, we break the parasite cycle yep. so that parasites aren't going to really be an, an issue for them. And that's all that we will need to do mm -hmm. in order to... Uh, keep the lambs alive and thriving, keep the ewes alive and thriving, is move them. We gave them mineral and water and grass and moved. And that's that was our plan. It seemed to work for the people that we were reading uh, about and, and hearing from. And so that was that's what we did. Uh, about mid-summer, coming on the end of summer, the lambs... Uh, it, now, lamb mortality is a thing. Mm-hmm. Right, like a, a pasture-based system in the United States, you're looking anywhere from 10 to 20 percent mortality rate on the lambs. It just happens. Mm -hmm. um, most use twin; um, they can't always take care of them. Well, uh, things happen. I mean, like, so lamb mortality is a thing, and people uh, in the uh, lamb er, 10 in the sheep to 20 percent. Yeah, on pasture in the sheep business, people talk. What's your mortality? What's right. your lamb mortality rate? So, like, it is a thing. A thing. So 10 to 20% is normal. We were pushing 40 to almost 50% on that first summer. And so that was frustrating and demoralizing. And we were doing all the things that we thought we needed to do in order to make it work. And turns out um, quite a few of them died. They did. And parasite loads um, around here. The parasites 
that you know cows and sheep can and lots of animals can suffer from sheep especially and in this area the barber pole worms along with other you know various parasites that they they can carry some of them but when they're little they can't carry too, that many yeah and so their parasite resistance was not up so and in this part of the world where we are we've got quite a parasite load um, just around, but we weren't we weren't sure that it was parasites, no. right? Like because yeah. we had we were keeping them moving, yeah. and we're, they were moving on such a rate that parasites shouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. So we were just sort of at a loss as to why why what what's happening? To yeah, them what, why? what's happening? Yeah. So you know, we go into the the fall, and um, we're able to uh, we have a few lambs that we're then able to process this last spring. But so like we're taking everybody into the the winter time and we decided we really need to give the the ewes a little bit extra. And so we're able to give the not the the animals that we weren't going to process for meat. Um, the breeders. The breeders. We had separated out the young ewes and the animals that we were going to process for meat. They were in a different area. And then the young or the the breeders, we gave a little bit of of grain to, just to give them a little bit extra oh, energy. Yeah. Energy. To so get we modified them, what we were doing to get the year through the prior yeah. and said they need more. We've got to give them more more food. Yeah. And the nutrition of the sheep, learning their needs, and so we did. We added some grain to our to the breeders, and they did quite well. They did well. Yeah. And then so. Um, took them through the winter, doing good. Spring, time for another lamb crop. Had another good lamb crop. And um, everybody was doing really well. Uh, come mid-summer, the ewes really started losing condition again. And this time, it may have even been more than, than last time. Like they were really, and I think it was because more of them had twins. There were more lambs on the, on the ewes. So the ewes are losing condition again. And so this time we said, you know what, first off, after doing some research about the lambs, we decided this could have been an issue with, uh, with a vaccination, with a virus. And so we, we decided to vaccinate the lambs. We did a, a, just a normal clostridium, clostridium uh, CDT, tetanus. Um, so did a normal vaccination with the boosters required. So mm -hmm. uh, if you don't do that, the the rate of lamb mortality is somewhere around fifty percent, yeah, and so we, we're like, well, we didn't we're gonna have do to that. vaccinate. Yeah, we didn't do that. Um, let's let's vaccinate mm -hmm. this year, and and maybe that will be the difference in our lambs. So lambs were doing great, mm -hmm. um, it, even into midsummer, they're doing really well. But the ewes' condition were going down, and so we said, as we're doing more research about ewes' condition, and it says one of the things that you can do is. If you're losing condition on your ewes, you can wean early, wean your lambs early, get them off, let the ewes recover, and um, that you know that that is a potential fix mm -hmm. for that. And so we did, and it, it did help the ewes. Yeah, and so we we weaned. Uh, the youngest lambs were just under 12 weeks old when we weaned, uh, maybe 10, 11 weeks old, and. Um, that put the oldest ones at about 13 to 14 weeks old. And 
um, almost immediately the ewes started looking better. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of weeks, the ewes were definitely putting their condition back on. Okay, that was, we were thinking, nice, that was a, a good decision to um, go ahead and wean them. And then we started losing lambs again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And this so time, now they're vaccinated. They've yeah. ever had everything that they need. They were doing really, really good. We pulled them off. We did supplement them with alfalfa to give them a little extra protein. Yeah. Um, and then they got started getting sick. Like, what's the matter with them? Was it worms? Is it parasites? Well, okay, we'll deworm everybody. So it, there's more of an art to the, all of this. It's just kind of like, you know, real... Human medicine, it is it is a science, but there's an art to it as well. What is their problem? Because it can be a myriad of things, and they're little. And the thing that... And, the, and some, a lot of times, by the time it shows up... It's too late. They're bad. They're bad. And once they're bad, once I, I've, I've learned, once these little guys or young guys are bad, it's very difficult to bring them back. Yeah. They don't come back well at all. And then learning about coccidiosis. That's my newest... In the medical, in the sheep husbandry, you know, the what could be wrong. Well, probably an intestinal infection. Yeah, bacteria is what we ran into this year. There were a couple that had some worm issues, but I think that the majority was really a, a matter of a bacterial infection, yeah. coccidiosis. And that's just super easy to fix. Yeah, and it, it it's alive in the sheep. But when they get stressed, it can, it, it like, overgrows, basically. Yeah. Well, and, just and like, so, you know, us and our immune systems. Yeah. If we're really, really stressed and then an illness comes on us, it's likely to bring us down right. further than if it, you were healthy. And so the, the early weaning was the stressor, and yeah. that allowed the, the coccidia bacteria, yeah. I guess, to yeah. really flourish inside their guts and made them sick. And by the time we figured it out, we had lost quite a few and um but we were able to treat the rest of them yeah. stopped that okay going going well mm -hmm. but i i think we're we're taking you through all of this to to so that you understand the mentality that that we've had going into the sheep and then a, a mentality shift really and so what what happened during this whole time all of this was going on we were also going to the farmer's market, and our biggest offering at the farmer's market was pork. We can grow that fast. Six months it takes us. Yeah. We got pork in the freezer and for sale within six months. And we have amazing non-GMO forested pork. And it's beautiful. And people love it. I but, love it. But there are quite a few folks, <laughs> especially in our area, that don't eat pork. Yeah, for, didn't know that. for different reasons. Various from, health or just, religion. I don't. I don't I really don't like, like pork. To it's not good for my health personally. To it's uh, you know for religious reasons. Right. Like so, we've run into quite a few folks that don't eat pork, and then looking at it, what is a, a, a What's the replacement? Well, I'll, lamb. Alternative. Yeah. Uh, no, an alternative. Lamb is definitely an alternative. So as we look into it, there's actually a pretty big market for lamb in this area. Yes. And the price that you can get for lamb is high, especially compared to pork, like uh, uh, almost triple. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, for the similar cuts, you're, you're almost pound triple for pound. pound for pound lamb to pork. Yes. Um, 
there's a reason for that. I can tell you now. Because it's really hard. Yeah. Um, and there's not a whole lot of meat on lamb. I mean, like, there's lots of reasons. Yeah. But we were like, you know, th- there's a market here. Maybe we could... What we didn't do was actually make a decision. <laughs> what we talked about that yesterday. Yeah. What what we did. <laughs> we got through here. What we did do was um, we just sort of the uh, we had a focus creep uh, mm. in the military. We talk about mission creep. Mm. I, I guess maybe it was the, the same thing. It, maybe it was mission creep. You set out on a mission, and then you find yourself with another mission. Mm-hmm. But you didn't actually decide that new mission. So we set out on the mission of regenerate our pastures with sheep. Mm-hmm. We need animals to pee and poop and eat. Yeah. And we probably should have a breeding uh, program going to replace the animals that will naturally. Especially since we bought some coals. Yeah, th- that are going to naturally just die off. Yeah. We need to be able to breed them to replace them. And we're going to regenerate our pastures with sheep. If there's the opportunity for us to provide ourselves some mm-hmm. lamb, we like lamb, yeah. that'll be an extra That'd bonus. be great. Yeah. And over the two years now that we've had sheep, mm-hmm. that mission has creeped to, mm-hmm. we want to provide lamb for customers. And we yeah. want to sell lamb. We want to offer lamb a market, in our online store, and we want to offer lamb at our farmer's market, and we want to put lamb at our other online guy, and we want to, man, we could even put lamb in some of the local health food stores. And yeah. so, like, we, the, our mission in regards to the sheep has cre- creeped from pasture regeneration to food production. Oh. And I, I think the... Without decision. Yeah, without any decision yeah. and without any um, without any of Plan. the resulting changes that uh-huh. might be necessary for meat production rather than pasture regeneration. So, a, I mean, if you look you at... You better the, define your target before you take off yeah. with your... Well, yeah. If you weapon. look at the animals <laughs> that normally live on our pastures outside, like in the wild, mm-hmm. it's deer. They are very thin. They're skinny, mm, they're yeah. quick, they're fast, right? They're yeah. like, you, yes, there's meat on them, but there's not a whole lot. Not a lot, yeah. Um, and certainly not a lot of fat. And our pasture-only sheep look very much like, like that. Deer. Yeah, they're they're skinny, they're hardy, um, you know. Yeah. They, they but they're there's not a whole lot of meat on them. That doesn't take a lot of inputs. No, not with the ones. That... And so as we were really starting to realize that our focus was shifting into meat production, we bought um, some replacement ewes and some lambs, and they had been on a pasture and grain operation. Mm -hmm. And they looked amazing. They're beautiful. They look amazing. Their condition is wonderful. The, The lambs on their sides are bigger. They're they're just getting more nutrition. Yeah, they're they're at least twice the size of the, our lambs that were grass only. Yeah. Same age, mm-hmm. at least double the size. Right. So grass only versus definitely pastured with nutritional supplementation. Yeah. Hmm. 
So that's so that there has, we go. That has led us to where we I believe we are right now with sheep and I mean we we Well back up just a little bit. We were already headed there because we picked up the ram lambs. Yes. With oh, the, yeah. knowing they were going to be a really quality animal product that we were going to be able to raise on pasture for a little bit and then go ahead and have those processed. And so we were we knew that. We were we were headed there already. We wanted more well, yeah. than what we could make. Absolutely. We knew that we wanted more meat. Right. So uh, yet again, the leaning cre yeah, creeping we, we towards creeping the, further right. towards meat production. And I, I believe where we've come to now is an actual decision that halfway? Yeah. Okay. That we're I think, unless we're selling them all. I don't know. <laughs> the but, but I think I think we've come to a decision yeah. that the sheep on this farm were really shifting the focus from regenerating the pastures, which which is a, a you know a, an entire grass mentality, mm -hmm. like meaning the the health and welfare of the grass, yeah. to a meat production, mm -hmm. uh, lamb meat production, where the entire focus is on the sheep and what's best for them and what what allows the um, most meat production out of the available sheep with a pasture management style as part of the program absolutely because we're not building barns no and growing sheep like that no that's true there's a there's so a vast difference so we're we're going to use yet. the resource <laughs> we're going to use the resources and the pastures that we have available we will still move them during grazing seasons yeah. they will be out there doing what sheep do living like sheep live, doing sheep things. That's right. We're not going to house them anywhere. Right. We're not going to give them heaters and air conditioners and right. fans right. and right. all of that. But we are going to add necessary beneficial nutrition to them that will increase our production in meat while rotating them on the pastures. Yes. Is that where we're at? Uh-huh. Okay. So this whole turmoil that you're watching us go through <laughs> is over one pound of grain per day per sheep. Yep. Which, Which is so silly because we feed pounds on pounds on pounds of grain to pigs, and we don't think another thing about it. But everybody, you know, back to your numbers from last week, everyone wanting, you know, this whole grass only, grass fed, grass finished, grass, grass, grass situation, omega-3s, omega-6s, the health benefits thereof. And I think it it is in the sheep field as much as it is in the cattle yeah. on how much and what. I don't want the inputs. I don't want to have to pay for the inputs because every time you put something in, it's costing you money. Yeah. But if you're not getting anything out of it, why are you doing it in the first place? Right. So to make a, you know slight adjustments... Do a non-GMO yeah. so that you can offer legitimate non-GMO lamb. Pastured. Pastured lamb. lamb. That's still amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we believe that it will um, increase the amount that we're able to produce. Sig yeah. Significantly. 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 And so if we can add a little bit and get a lot, yeah. why wouldn't you do that? Boom. Boom. Because it's hard work. Well. Sheep are hard work. Yeah. That, now that is true. They are. Sheep, sheep are, are hard work. work. Cows are easy. Oh, we got to go work cows. 
Yeah, it, sheep sheep are they're sheep definitely are smaller, and so, so easier you can handle to them? manhandle, if you will. You mm -hmm. know, you can pick them up and trim their hooves. Yeah, and one of the one of the one of the downsides to that what you just said to the grain is their hooves tend to grow a lot more faster. Yeah. So their hooves had to be tended to more often versus the pasture raised because we've we've seen over the two years that we've had the pasture had them on pasture only no grain their their hooves have like gone amazing they barely even need to be trimmed right. so that is true yes that is absolutely true i don't know if it's worth it uh, we're saying no we're saying no now after a, a year or two of trimming sheep hooves as often as we'll have to we, we may have to hire other somebody <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway the the tending to hooves is a real thing that has to be done so that they, you know, don't get foot sick, yeah. <laughs> but and get all limpy and stuff. So that's where we are on sheep. So we're so we're we're deciding we're moving forward. We're going to change up our program to meet more like the ones we just got, adding supplemental nutrition while we rotate them on on our pastures, continuing to benefit the grass that we have. Yes. And the cows, it benefits everyone, and we will figure out a way to get them the things they need. And we will market and sell non-GMO pastured lamb, lamb and not grass-only lamb. That's correct. We are changing our product. Yeah. The and lamb, the sheep department. That's right. The lamb we currently have in the freezer, grass-only. Yes, it is. And it is delicious. Yeah. Um, and this will be, too. Yep. It'll be delicious. For yeah. Sure. So there you all have it. That's what we're doing. Sheep. For now. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a lot of them out there, and we look forward to seeing what next year. You know, the vet said the first time that we took, I took that lamb in, and I was just frustrated. And she said, you know, give it four years. Okay. Give it four years of learning and doing with them and all of the things. In four years' time, you're going to be sitting in a different place. And I'm like, okay. You know, she kind of said three to four, but really she was kind of leaning on the four because there is such a learning curve. There is a lot to know. And, you know, just kind of ride it out, get your genetics going and figure it out. Don't be so hard on yourselves. Okay. Good. Yeah. So. Here we are. Yeah. Halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we are halfway there. Goodness. So cool. Well, we'll, we'll keep y'all updated on the sheep. Yeah, for sure. We don't have to talk about them anymore. Okay. <laughs> current event. Not just a did you know this time. No, we do know. It's a current event. Okay. We talked about it. Military yeah, recruitment. Yes. Here we are. Go. The U.S. military is grappling with severe recruitment issues with all branches falling short of their 2023 target. The Army is trailing by a staggering 10,000 recruits. The Navy, 6,000, and the Air Force, 10,000. Uh, Marines and Space Force are good as parts of the other services. That's why I said that all the services are, are uh, falling short. But Marines and Space Force are meeting theirs. So uh, some, some keys or some notes. An alarming decline in eligibility amongst young Americans is at the root of the problem, uh, says one person. In 2020, a mere 23% of Americans aged 17 to 24 met the qualifications of military service, down from 29% in 2016. 
Um, you have to have a high school diploma or GED for enlistees. Mm, no, necessarily. You can be homeschooled and your mom can say, I homeschooled her. How do you know? Uh, because we did it like three or four times. That's right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, really, you can. You. So if you're a, if you're you're a homeschooler out there, yeah. uh, the Homeschool Defense Council has a lot of information about this. And the military services, the recruiters accept whatever um, transcripts and um, certificate of certificate graduation, of completion. certificate of completion you're able to provide. Yes. They, they don't have to take a GED. They used to. That's not true. Anymore. Do not. In fact, I will say this, uh, having the experience that I have, do not go get your GED if you're a homeschooled. Be a homeschooled graduate. The end. Because a GED will set you back. You got it. Don't just don't do it. You're a homeschool graduate. And as far as the United States military is concerned, through Congress, homeschool uh, recruits, I guess you would say, homeschool recruits, are that is a tier one school. That's right. You aren't, you aren't any less than. You are not deducted on your points in any way. You're a tier one school. Go take the ASVAB. Say, my mom, here's my completion. Take the ASVAB, go score high, and get the job you want. Yeah, that's the key. That's score the key. high on the Score ASVAB. high on the ASVAB, and then go get the job you want. All right. Uh, officers have to have a college degree. Um, health and fitness standards pose another significant hurdle, with over a third of young adults deemed unfit for service, primarily due to obesity. We talked about that in a, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Other common reasons are low unemployment and the competitive job market lack of eligible recruits, uh, disqualified by obesity or low test scores, lack of knowledge among youth of military life and benefits, fear of death or injury, lack of patriotism, concerns about wokeness, and fallout from the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal. Finally, there could be differences between young people in Generation Z, who are currently the prime age for recruiting and prior generations. So those are all listed as potential issues as to why recruitment is an issue. Um, I will say, uh, as I started digging into the numbers a little bit, it sounds really bad. There like are. it really sound they they've made it sound like that that the the eligibility requirement is the they've made it sound like the eligibility requirement is the number one reason. Well, because they they used a percent there again, didn't they? They did. Mm -hmm. Well, and it says 23% uh, meet the qualifications of Americans aged 17 to 24. What uh -huh. they didn't say is mm -hmm. how many Americans are aged 17 to 24. No, they didn't. And that number is 30 million Americans 30 million are Americans. aged 17 to 24. They also didn't say how many recruits do the services need combined and on an annual basis. And that number is 160,000. So as you start mathing it's like, things that's just two football stadiums. Right. As you start mathing <laughs> things out, you you've got 30 million Americans within the age group. Yep. We just said that 23% of them are eligible. Okay. So instead of looking at it as you know 77% are ineligible, right. look at it as 23% are eligible. 23% 23% of 30 million, million is 6.9 million. So 6.9 million people are aged are, 18 to 24. And we're, we're and this is men and women. That's we're not right. talking about the selective service. Nope. 6.9 million. Yeah. 
are eligible. We need 160,000. So we have to convince 2.3% of the folks who are eligible to serve. And you bring this up because we just, like right now, we're celebrating 50 years. The Department of Defense is celebrating 50 years of being an all-volunteer military. We have, we, they shut down the draft in, I guess, 1973. Yeah. Um, and then, and so from 1973, our entire lives right. have been an all-volunteer force. Yes. And that's amazing. It is. Because you get a really cool military when everybody's there because they want to be. Right. That's, that's kind of a key. It's essential. Yeah. To having a, a, the powerhouse military that we have. Yeah. Is the volunteerism. Yeah. I want to be here. So I, I, while, while the numbers matter, and I'm not saying that they don't matter, and there are a lot of different reasons, and, um, but the, the idea that it's because there are so many that are ineligible to serve, it, like, to me, that's a cop-out. You're mm. saying that your recruiting strategies can't get 2.3% of those who are eligible to say yes. Less than two and a half percent. We need to right. say yes. Yes. So 97% of the people who can serve can say no, and you still meet your eligibility goals. You need 3% to be successful. Less than three. So okay. it, to me, the numbers are a cop-out. Okay. Not, not the real reason. Now, right. what is the real reason? Yeah, what is the real reason? Yeah. Lots of obviously lots of different factors. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we, we talked through some of them. Yeah. What you're competing with a job market that for every job that's available, there are about one and a half people looking. No one. I'm sorry. I, I just said that backwards. Yeah. For every person looking, there's a job and a half for them. Right. So go get the job where you want. I right. don't, why am I going to choose to go into the military with all the sacrifice that's there, why and just a different, completely different way of life. Why am I going to choose that over working a job in the real in the private sector? Yeah, some of the folks really talk about the the fact that um, there are a lot of people in America that don't know anyone that has been in the military. That's crazy. So it, uh, unlike World War II, really, where like every everybody had family, yeah. You know that were in the military and the patriotism that was involved in, you know, stopping Hitler and fascism and Japan. I mean, like the, world it was wars. this, yeah, yeah, world war, right? Yeah. And so that yes, my father, grandfather, uncle, brother, you know, served. Yes, you yeah. know, there was everybody knew that and all of the the thoughts and feelings and emotions that go along with that. Um, the, the numbers that have served as a percentage of the population have definitely gotten lower yeah. to where now there are definitely folks that don't know anybody that's been in the military. Mm -hmm. And so all you see is what's in the headlines about the military. And they, they brought up a couple of those. It's the withdrawal from Afghanistan. The woke policies of the military, the... Uh, right now, they 
Congress can't pass a budget. The federal government's going to shut down. The military's going to have to work for no pay. I mean, like, th- these are the types of headlines that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So you've got negative headline, negative headline, negative headline, and I don't know anybody that's been in the military. Like, and I can't figure out why we can't get anyone to come sign up. Yeah. Mm. So, so to me, I, I think that that probably has a whole lot to do with it. Um, uh, so maybe we need to start a new campaign. They, for years, it was go to college, be the first of your gener, be the first, you know, generation in your family to go to college. Yeah. Be the first generation in your family to serve your country. Yeah. That'd be an interesting campaign, wouldn't it? Renew the tradition. Renew the tradition. Um, the, the legacy, yeah. the all of the our kids have served. They do serve and have served. Um, as the biggest recruiter that you could probably that anybody knows without <laughs> being paid to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I know the benefits. I live the benefits. That's easy, you know. When you know what the result is going to be for somebody, it's easy to tell them, "Yes, go do this. It's going to be good for you." Yeah. But if you don't have anybody telling them that, right? if you don't have somebody just really pushing them towards something that's going to be a positive on them and they're going to be a positive on the institution, we need people like you doing this job. If you don't have people doing that and pushing that generation to go that, to go do that thing, I don't know why anybody would. Yeah. Let's start a new campaign. Be the first generation to join the military and serve your country. And I don't say that in jest. I'm serious. Yeah. Hmm. So definite impacts on our freedoms. Yeah. Because we have an all-volunteer force, and I believe that's the best way to go, as you brought up. Um, It matters to all of us that uh, the services are not meeting their recruiting goals. Yeah, because we're going to have a military. Yeah, and you, one you, way or the other, you don't ever make that up, right? Like no, the twenty twenty two gap is a gap forever. No, yeah, we you saw can't. That. You can't add twenty twenty two recruits in twenty right. three. No, and so now we have twenty two gaps. We have twenty three gaps. So like it, it's a compound. But there, issue. I, it seems to me that if they can't get their proverbial crap together on what their, their messaging is towards the young people to Gen Z, then if they can't, if they can't start doing something, then they'll have to do something. Uh, who's the they that you're talking they, about? They, the, the powers that be Congress. Okay. They're, so, they're the, they're the ultimate numbers people. Yeah. They're the ones that say how many we have to have, how many we need. Well, I mean, I know the services have their inputs. I understand that. But by and large, Congress is the one that can say, I know y'all don't want to, but you, sir, and you, ma'am, and you, sir, and you, sir, y'all are all going into the army. They could say that. I'm, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if push comes to shove, that's what they'll do. If they can't get their recruiting right over time that you can't go on too long. Hmm. This 50 years will come to an end and they'll just start drafting people. Yeah, possible. Well, you get into a skirmish big enough that we can't do, then, I mean, you have to, and we yeah. all know that, and that's why we have the selective service. But 
the point being, if they're going to, we're going to have military, right? whether people choose to go or not, whether the services get the right people in there or not, they'll go find somebody. Yep. I think. Yeah. No, 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 they will. They will. So more. Yay. (laughs) Mm. Well, we're doing our part. We did our part. Kids are doing their part. Got several kids overseas. Yeah. Other kids, other places. Yeah. Anyway. In the event that you have a child that's looking for a job, <laughs> <laughs> please go see your recruiting station. The United States Air Force and other branches are always hiring. Yeah, right. Right? For sure. There's no reason for kids to not have a job, a place to live, clothes to wear. They will even give you clothes to wear. Food? Food to eat. And... Education benefits with 30 days off a year. I do not know a company that does 30 days off a year. The first year. The first year, straight out of, well, you're probably earning them before you get there. You start in basic. Yeah. Day one, you're earning 30 days off a year. Yeah. Our daughter works for a large corporation that everyone knows, and she's worked there for a year. She's a full-time employee. She has... Full benefits, great insurance program, good education benefits. I was surprised. Um, it's taken her a year to earn one week off. Yep. So that's a pretty good benefits package. Yes, it is. Yeah. Retirement. Retirement. If you want choose to stay that long, they've got a decent retirement pa- package. We believe so. We do believe so. So anyway, um, I, I, I think that if they change their messaging and got the right people in there recruiting, for the right purposes that they might not have as hard of a time. Yeah. Could and be. That's my, that's there my piece. Go. All right. Okay. Um, so recap, we're, we're, we're changing our sheep. Yeah. We're going to start making meat. Food production. Food production. We're going to talk about that next week a little bit. I know we're not actually talking about it, but I want to add that some of our numbers from 23. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So next week, uh, independence, the power of freedom and individualism. So Mm. um, stepping back a little bit from the farming again and talking more, uh, taking on the fields side of things again next week. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Cool. Freedom and individualism. Yeah. I'm a big fan. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. Yeah, you are too. I am. We are. Turns out I'm learning how much of a fan I am. Yeah. Well, so much so, 25 years of service for freedom, and now on the backside of it, a little bit of individualism. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, after been, being a part of that yeah. for so long. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you liked if you liked this content, please subscribe, uh, like it, and if you could, even share it. Uh, that would be super cool Yeah. on your social media. Leave us some comments. We love the comments. Yeah, we love the conversations. So anyway, you guys take care. And until next time, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.